What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, coming at you with this week's weekly roundup. And, you know, this week was a pretty, pretty solid week. I feel like there's, you know, sometimes it feels like there's nothing to talk about in these. Sometimes it feels like there's everything to talk about in these. But this one, um, you know, I've got a number of things saved from social media. I've really grown my, there you can hear some social media right there. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and mute that, my guy. There it is. Let's, let's act like it's not your first day. Okay. Sometimes I embarrass myself in front of myself, but you know, this week I, I grew my, my stash of things I hate on the internet, which is pretty much inevitable, but I, I have a, um, a little like album for those. Um, and so I think, uh, I hadn't really added to those in a really long time, but these are, some really interesting ones. I don't even know which of the things. There's so many like little things to talk about today. But the first thing I want to kind of talk about, I was thinking about this. Um, this is just some, uh, speaking of some boo, boo shit on the internet, um, as the kids say. Uh, some boo shit on the internet. Let's look at, uh, you might remember this Chiquita from way back. If you've been listening for a while, I did a podcast episode on, Catholic influencers, and there's this wonderful sister in Christ um, named Sabrina. And Sabrina wrote an article back then for the Catholic woman, I want to say it was, uh, about Catholic influencers. And so I, I did a podcast episode responding to it. One of my favorite things that ever happened in my history of podcasting was she, when I posted about it, I tagged her in it in my story and like the article and stuff like that. And was like, she shared it on her story and followed me. And then like hours later, I assume after listening to the episode, um, <laughs> unfollowed me. <laughs> she unfollowed me and, uh, and, and elected to just kind of go about her life, which is great. You know, that's her, her right to do. Exactly that. And so I think she didn't necessarily love that I disagreed with parts of her podcast. Now here, I bring this up because this is one of the funniest things about this is that I brought that podcast episode up because her whole thing was against Catholic influencers. And there's a number of things we could go into with that article. I'm not going to bring it up and go back into it again. But the funniest part of the podcast, if you recall, at least to me, the greatest irony of it all was that she seemed to want to be a Catholic influencer herself and seemed to have more of a beef with the fact that she like was not uh you know more successful in that if you will um and so she started this whole like this week this like dear trad catholic she's like writing this a brief open letter, especially to those who are influencers of trad cats. Again, speaking to the influencers as a desiring influencer. Um, it's really interesting because it's not really a letter. There's so many, there's so many things I disagree with what she says, but almost like the, the pettier side of me disagrees more with the fact that like she said, it's an open letter and like, it's not really a letter. That bothers me. It's like a carousel on Instagram. Like letters have paragraphs and like fully developed thoughts. These are kind of like simple statements. Many of them just opinion. 
which is ironic because it's kind of criticizing trads for being overly like opinion based in their arguments that the TLM is superior to the Novus Ordo. So that's one thing that bothers me. The other thing that bothers me is in the comments, especially replying to my one comment. Um, and I see it on her stories a lot. She keeps talking about cognitive dissonance. And I don't know that she understands what that term means just based on the usage. And that also makes me unhappy. <laughs> so that has something to do with it too. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. People are allowed to post whatever they want. We can follow whoever we want. We can unfollow whoever we want. I don't follow her anyways, but somebody had just sent it to me. And I'm one to bash trash pretty often. But the thing I don't like about criticisms uh, sometimes within the church is criticisms are never helpful if they're extremely vague, if they're impractical, and if they're not refuted by anything stronger. If you're criticizing opinion and you're just and you're criticizing it for the sake of it being opinion, which also is something that I do remember from her blog on the Catholic woman about Catholic influencers. And and I think that it was aimed at mostly trads then was it was like this idea that they they didn't d- distinguish enough between their opinion and actual church teaching, which is great. That's a dangerous thing, right, for people to do. Um, and I think I agreed with that. But then if you're going to disagree with that and say that, oh, your stance on why the TLM is better than the Novus Ordo is mostly opinion, then like come back showing why that is just opinion or, or bring some types of stats that would refute that. For example, saying um, – this one really got me. Some of you are saying that the that men prefer the TLM as if you know the hearts of all men. This is a that that is I know she she claims that she's not liberal because she voted for Trump and everything and I'm not saying that she is a liberal. And I'm only talking about this because I think it's interesting to debate and discuss ideas. And I I said I gave I gave 10 minutes of of disclaimer on the podcast I did about the blog that I have no problem with this woman. We'd probably be friends. If we lived in the same town, like I have, <laughs> I couldn't have less beef or issue with her as a person, but I think it's worth discussing these ideas. So some of you are saying, this is a quote from her open letter or Instagram carousel. Some of you are saying that quote men in quotations, men prefer the TLM and quotations. Then she says, as if you know, the hearts of all men, that is generally a liberal argument. This is the same type of logic. I don't know the name of the fallacy, but basically saying that like, because things aren't a hundred percent true, then they're not true, and we can't say those things. And so you see this a lot when when discussing, um, you know, gender pay gap, or you're discussing transgenderism. It's like anything that's considered to be a, a generalization. If you can find one exception to that, then it's like we can't operate based on that truth, right? So to say that, I mean, because to say that men prefer the TLM doesn't like. The quote itself doesn't even say like this, this argument that she's making that she's stating in summarizing the other side's argument in four words saying that men prefer the TLM. She's not even refuting that in the second half saying that men don't prefer it. She's just saying as if you know the hearts of all men. Now, maybe I'm missing the emphasis on all there, but that's. Uh, my assumption is that she's referring to all, which means she's like, she's like, oh, I can find several men who don't prefer the TLM. Now, what you won't find, at least very often, is men who prefer an unorthodox mass. So these masses you see and shared from Chicago, from Los Angeles, where they got hula hoopers and water dancers and bubbles and stupid shit like that. Men don't like that. I mean, you'll find some that do, but if we can't speak in these generalizations when we're talking 80% or more when we're making these generalizations, 
we can't communicate. So that's like saying like, so then do you disagree, Sabrina, that most young people prefer Orthodox parishes or most young people prefer, um, yeah, Orthodoxy, the t- not, and I'm not even going to say most people prefer the TLM, but the same argument could be said that most young people want Orthodoxy. You could say, as if you know the hearts of all young people. It's like, well, how does that contribute to the conversation? That's the only thing I don't understand. The next one, she says, some of you are saying that praise and worship holy hours are useless and don't draw people to the church, as if you know how God can touch and convert hearts. Awesome. Um, I've never seen a trad say that. Uh, I've heard them criticize it and say praise and worship. I've heard criticisms of praise and worship music. I've been moved many times in my life and had some powerful prayer experiences. Just did last weekend on praise and, during a praise and worship holy hour. Um, I love it. And so, yeah, I think if somebody says that that's useless, which is in quotations, they would be wrong. So I, I don't know. I, even the response to that, though, as if you know how God can touch and convert hearts. Well, one, they do know how God can touch and convert hearts. I think what she's trying to say is, as if you know every single way that God can touch and convert hearts, which is endless, right? God can work in many, many ways. So now here is where I really start to disagree. And this is probably one of my hotter takes in the church, and I don't know how much I've ever shared this on here. But she says in the second to last slide, here's the reality. And somebody somebody like hyped this up in the comments, which really... Uh, I found mind-bottling, where your mind's so confused, it feels like you're trapped in a bottle, as Will Ferrell once said. Here's the reality. Your local parish needs you. Your local priest needs you. Your local novice ordo mass needs you. Now, even before I get into that, let's go to number two, which is kind of a carry-on from that last sentence. And she asks, she questions if it's worthwhile making content that, in her opinion, bashes the papacy Talks about TLM restrictions, Vatican II, and the Novus Ordo Mass. Bashes all of those things. Now, I I mean, yeah, I criticize Chad to do that too, I guess. Um, especially those who are on the extreme end. Uh, she says, is it worthwhile driving miles to the TLM parish next door when the your parish next door could, do, could use your presence? Jeez, I can't read. Is it worthwhile driving miles and miles to a TLM when your parish next door could use your presence. See, I had my phone too far away from me. That's why I couldn't read it. And I'm dumb. That's the other, that's the other, <laughs> I would say it's like a, it was like a 50, 50 ball, right? Half. Cause I can't read half. Cause uh, it was kind of far away. So she's like, what if you took all your energy, passion, influence and charity and applied it in such a way to make your local parish more reverent and beautiful. And so this is where I really get lost. Right. Um, so she said, let's step away from our phones, go out and fix the problems we see and make the Novus Ordo great again. Several things here. So saying your local parish, your local priest need you. And then saying like, what if you didn't drive out to the TLM? What if you didn't drive to a different parish and you just went to the parish that was near you? I, I am not a believer in that. And here's why. In the comments, you'll see certain people like suggesting things, right? Like, oh yeah, we could start with like moving the tabernacle back to the center and like, bringing more reverence to the mass and um, all these different things, right? Uh, And it's like, dog, what? Wait, where was the one that was talking about this? Um, Because it's like, we can't control any of that. 
right? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. She's this person. Uh, John said, "I say start with things that cost nothing, like placing the tabernacle behind the altar, making sure Eucharistic ministers are trained on how to distribute communion on the tongue, make adoration a regular thing with priests leading by example, a hundred percent, making confessions more available." What can we as lay people who's, I mean, 99% of who's going to read this post, right? He's going to be a lay person. What can we do to affect that? Zero things. Zero things. I'm starting to believe, and may, I, I, don't, I doubt this is the American in me because I question capitalism and liberalism and all this stuff all the time. But I do, I think one of my hotter takes, I feel like in the church, is that I believe to a certain extent that we should be allowing capitalism within the church to reign. And to have its effect. I, I talk to people on a regular basis with my job who are at parishes or who are at um, schools that are like, oh, we're closing down or we're merging schools. I don't view that as a bad thing because good Catholic schools, Catholic schools with strong identity, Catholic schools that are teaching the faith, Catholic schools where sacraments are regularly included in, in, um, in the school community, they have wait lists. And so I'm okay with the the Catholic school that's creating all the people that I grew up with, 98% of whom now walk around saying they're Catholic and they went to Catholic school, who are pro-choice, pro-LGBT, everything, pro all of this stuff that's not Catholic, never go to Mass, uh, only show up in the church for weddings and baptisms. Yeah, I, I prefer that those Catholic schools shut down because I've encountered people who've gone to public schools that actually have a thirst and a wonder and a curiosity about the faith that Catholics who went to cat quote unquote Catholic schools simply do not. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, shut it down. I don't think that you have to, as somebody who's, um, you know, striving to live your life, right. Striving to raise your kids in the faith. I don't think you have to sacrifice yourself on the altar of a parish with a priest who's, dying in his priesthood, doesn't care to be great or excellent in anything that he does, and the liturgy in his priesthood in providing the sacraments is is totally unorthodox. What is your presence there going to do? I mean, you can make the argument, I guess, that if you stay there and pray and be holy, that you're going to be great. But we, I, I think we talk out of both sides of our mouth to a certain point when we say that you need community, right? You need formation, you need the you need the sacraments. You need the ability to encounter Christ in the sacraments. You need good role models and leaders and influences around you. And then we say, but but no, but settle for that trash ass uh, Novus Ordo that's down the road. Now, mind you, we go to a Novus Ordo parish, but the reason why I feel some type of way about this um, one is because of logic, but two is because we don't go to our closest Novus Ordo parish, which I've had that debate before with people too of do you have to go to the closest parish that's to you? And I don't think you do. I think that in a time of Christendom, you can make the argument that you do. In a time where your kids are are surrounded by family-centered and, and God-centered and kind of faith values and kind of the old conservative values that we had of the importance of marriage, the importance of family, the importance of respect, um, teaching the true faith was kind of everywhere. And some parishes just like more popping. Some parishes might have more friends of yours or more people your age. And it's like that kind of ebbed and flowed, but it was like, it was like, whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you can kind of go to wherever you want. When we're living in an apostolic age, like we are now where all the truths of reality are being like bashed in, I don't need to go and take my kids or my wife as a husband to a parish that's going to preach about uh, black lives matter in support of that. I'm not going to go to that. 
I'm not going to go to a parish that doesn't can't even inspire children to be a part of uh, altar service, right? That doesn't have altar service. I don't want to go to a parish where, um, yeah, people aren't living out the faith. And it doesn't mean everybody has to be, but I like going to a place where if I invite a friend who is not living out the faith, I don't have to be their sole example. I want to go to a parish that when somebody's considering Catholicism, I can recommend them to that parish and be like, you're going to be in good hands. You're going to meet good Catholic men and women who are going to help uplift you and bring you closer to God because everywhere else in the world, you're not going to get that. And so this idea of filling our cup and you can't give what you don't have, I don't see why people, I mean, I've seen it so often where, and, and where I grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the diocese is dying. Every time I go back there, the, the, I just am mind blown at how empty all the parishes are. And I've seen so many people who have just been at the same parish forever and they are trying to change it or they try to do things and they're just, it's just lukewarmness. Because if you get in lukewarm water, either you're going to change it or it's going to change you. Something's going to change. And when you consider that you're entering into a place that is so out far of your sphere of control and so out far outside of your sphere of influence, I mean, you have to have, in my, in my opinion, you have to have some type of pride to, unless you were called by God to do this. Like, unless in prayer you pray about it and God's like, no, you should stay here. You have to have some type of pride to be like, I can overcome the fact that I'm not the pastor, not the parochial vicar. I'm not the pastoral associate. I don't even work here. But just my mere presence of showing up on Sunday and maybe getting involved as a lector and trying to start a Bible study, which, by the way, as you'll read in some of those comments, and myself, I've had this experience, you often cannot do. I remember trying to start a men's Bible study at my parish in Fayetteville, North Carolina at St. Patrick's. And the hoops I had to jump through, it wasn't even worth it. I couldn't even get it off the ground because I made a 10-page document that showed them what I was going to go through and what I was going to lead, and they wouldn't have it with me. They were like, oh, we're worried about this, worried about that. And I'm like, you're worried about what? I'm like, you offer nothing. I've been leaving Bible studies for years, leading Bible studies for years. It was mind-blowing. I'm like, if the priest is so worried about it, have him show up. You guys don't do any ministry. It's not like you're over busy. They had two priests and a deacon there. It was mind-blowing, dude. This is the first comment that comes up. I just liked it. It says, this is not in any way bashing, but it is not our job as a lady to make the church beautiful and reverent. That is the priest's job, to provide for their flock. I can wear my veil, she says. I can kneel to receive, but those things will not change the church. Our priests, good and holy, leading us and telling us will. I pray every day for those good and holy priests. Then she said, perhaps some of us who are men could become priests or teach at seminaries as to encourage this. Yeah, I mean, we could teach at seminaries, but some of us are called to marriage. And when you're called to marriage, you're called to shepherd your family. And so as you guys might know, I didn't mention this on here yet, but my wife's pregnant. So Emily's pregnant. We just got to hear the heartbeat again today at our 12-week appointment. She's going to be 13 weeks. Um, She's 13 weeks today. So I'm saying today, she's 13 weeks on Friday. I'm recording this Thursday night. It's my job to create an environment and to protect them, my wife and my kids, from the forces, from the influences, from lukewarmness so that they can be saints. I'm supposed to protect and provide for that and set a great example. I know how I feel when I go to lukewarm parishes. I know how I feel when I go to on-fire parishes. And, and since I left the Army, because it wasn't really an option in North Carolina where I was living, since I left the Army, I've started to... Uh, 
I've started to go more to um, parishes that I thought were on fire, parishes that were going to feed me and help me. So, yeah, I assume there's going to be another part to this. And I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be pretty silly as well. But again, I'm sure she's great. I'm sure she's uh, a wonderful person and I'm sure we'd be friends in another um, universe. Anyways, back to other things. So I don't know how much you've been paying attention to this week. Um, but there's a new Taylor Swift album coming out tonight. Emily's currently texting me that they're debuting a song at the uh, Thursday Night Football game. We watch a lot of Thursday Night Football. Big fans of Thursday Night Football. If you miss this Wednesday's podcast, I'd highly recommend checking it out. I did a fun poll on this. I'm about to reveal the results of this poll. And so on Wednesday, I was blessed to have the wonderful Andrea Thomas, who's one of the co-founders and leaders of the Vigil Project. So if you haven't heard the Vigil Project, they make beautiful, beautiful music. And she was a great person. We met at Napa. She was my last Napa podcast to come out and the last one I recorded there. Um, so that's fitting. And so I did a I did a, a poll. This is kind of still like on trad topics, if you will. And I did a poll that said, what instruments to be allowed at mass? And so I said, pipe organ only, organ and classical instruments like violin and piano. Someone said, I said, band instruments, guitar, piano, drums, etc. And then anything and everything. Now, because my dumbass didn't, uh, I didn't make it a poll. I made it a quiz. And then I typed all this out and I was like, I'm not changing it. So I only have raw numbers. <laughs> I don't have percentages. Um, but the vast majority picked the, the thing that I often say, which is organ and classical instruments. So that got 177 votes. The next leading thing, surprisingly, somewhat surprisingly, is anything and everything, which I think is just like undoubtedly not the answer. And then the next leading answer was 35, pipe organ only. And then C, band instruments, guitar, piano, drums, only got 12 votes. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, but it was kind of fun. I always enjoy these. And so not to uh, not to shy you away from uh, voting in the future, but I uh, do go back and look at just who voted for which because I think it's really fun and super interesting to see. So if you listen to the podcast, you know this, but I'll give my quick 30-second answer. I think that it should be organ and classical instruments because the reason why I draw the line of guitar and I draw the line above a guitar or excluding guitar, if you will, is because I think that mass, the, one of the great things about mass, right, is we're supposed to dress differently. We kneel, which we don't normally do. We chant things, which we don't normally do. It's supposed to be otherworldly, right? It's supposed to be separate from our daily lives, while also obviously a continuation from our daily lives, right? I think it's one of the beautiful things of the vernacular. It's kind of this heaven meets earth moment um, and this infusion of both into both, right? Both one into the other and vice versa. And what's great, I think, about the violin, not many of us are just like cranking out classical music, right? So in a lot of modern day music, you hear drums and guitars and all these things, whether it's rock, country, hip hop, pop. And so that for me is why I like piano and violin. I think it's beautiful music. It's something that is separate. Classical music is thought of to be the highest art form, the highest form of music. 
I had, you know, a friend of mine say, well, percussion, like the piano is a percussion instrument because there's something hitting the string. And I read about that. I didn't know that. I, I think a percussion is like drums and things like that. But alas, I, it technically is a percussion instrument because the way that it works, I don't think that separates. I think it's more of a philosophical thing on my end. And I've never felt like distracted or like irreverent with a piano. But maybe I'm just crazy. Which is probably true. And so let's go back to where where's my uh let me find my roundup uh saved save thing, save post from the week. I think there was only a couple. Um oh man. So you know the Jamba Juice got added to childhood uh juicing schedules and so that's an interesting thing um if you didn't know that and uh one thing that i think was really interesting too so this was a post from the new york times it says what advice would you have for a candidate or a political party that wanted to win your vote and um seem seems like people really kind of wanted more of a bounce like the first guy that they quoted from said that he'd love for a, a republican president and a vice president be a democrat um Somebody else said they want candidates to be truthful, which I think will never happen because I think uh, most politicians are like aliens. Like, I think that most politicians, if you've ever seen men in black, like, I think if you shot them with one of the men in black guns, they'd like turn into a blob on the floor or like, um, uh, like a six eyed stick creature, right? Like they'd be like in men in black, like the aliens can, uh, heal themselves you know, or not heal themselves, but they can hide themselves. They can like cover up and take kind of other identities. The last quote said, I would probably say, stay off Twitter and talk to us instead. I, I don't understand that. Um, and, and maybe this is dumb of me, but I, I don't understand why we can't get politicians doing like, like say to the unions once a week. Like, why do I need you on Twitter and not doing state of the unions for us? That's one that always kind of gets me. I never understand that. Um, because like, or a podcast or something like that. You know what I mean? Where you can just like listen to them talk and actually like long form express their thoughts and ideas on things that are happening and kind of discuss the way forward. Not these like two minute Q and A's that they give reporters and Biden like 98% of the time just gives horseshit answers. I mean, Trump came out in front of the media every day for like six months straight in 2020 for better or for worse. Um, and, uh, I mean, Biden, we get him like eating an ice cream cone and he just makes like snarky remarks and never actually says anything of substance. This from CNBC, UK prime minister Liz Truss resigns after failed budget and market turmoil. So if you didn't know this, um, Liz Truss was a conservative prime minister elected in, uh, the UK and she had this finance minister who was just absolute shit at his job. And so on on September 23rd, this is from CNBC, on September 23rd, Trust's finance minister, Quasi Court Tang, I don't know if I'm saying that right, that's a hell of a name, announced a so-called mini-budget, which began a turbulent period for UK bond markets, which balked at the debt-funded tax cuts he put forward. Most of the policies were reversed three weeks later by the second finance minister, Jeremy Hunt. So she sucked so bad at her job that she only lasted for six weeks. Her finance minister lasted for three. So he really was awful and really ended up leading to her um, taking this massive out. And so some people are like, we don't know what's going to happen. 
she's a part of the conservative party. The conservative party has been in charge in the UK for 12 years, uh, which is pretty crazy, but their conservative party is definitely like, from my understanding, like pretty center, right to center, like not like what we would consider as Catholics conservative. Um, in other Trump news, this, I really hated to hear. This is from October 17th from Axios. The title of the article is Trump trashes GOP Senate candidate Joe O'Day in Colorado. So I was listening to Ben Shapiro on Wednesday. He gave a bunch of kind of updates on different gubernatorial races and senatorial races and things like that. And he talked about Trump doing this. And I mean, I just, I, I, there's few people I understand in this world anymore, but the ones I really struggle to understand, especially Catholics, but conservatives in general, who still believe Trump is a net positive for America. This man, this man sucks so bad. He sucks so bad. And it's not even close. Like the way he handled everything that happened. Can you imagine what we would be like if, if January 6th never happened? And it, and it could have been prevented. And I'm not somebody that's up here like saying that it was a threat to our democracy. Like, it was way overblown. It was total nonsense. But the way he handled everything post-election with no actual evidence to support his claims that the election was stolen riled people up to do the things that they did that day. And then his it took him forever to finally respond. And then he gives this like half-assed response like calm people down. Whack. And then he's mad at everybody who either says that that was an ugly thing or disagrees that the Trump, that the election was stolen. And so that's exactly what he does to Joe O'Day. Trump took to social media Monday to trash Republican U.S. Senate candidate Joe O'Day, labeling, labeling him a Republican in name only and urging followers not to support the contender. Wildly ironic because Trump was a lifelong Democrat and liberal person. He said, and I quote on True Social, Trump said, MAGA doesn't vote for stupid people with big mouths. Excellent. Why it matters, Axios says. The race is one of the most watched in the nation, and Democratic incumbent Michael Bennett, Senator Bennett, uh, his reelection could help determine which major party controls the U.S. Senate. But Republicans can't win in blue-tilting Colorado, where Democrats hold a three-percentage point or 125,000 voter registration advantage without a unified base and support from a significant number of unaffiliated voters. Dude, if you don't kiss Trump's ass, this is where you get into this trouble, right? Because you've got um, J.D. Vance in Ohio who gets called this past week uh, or last week uh, in a debate saying that he's uh, an ass kisser for Trump. And, And you have to be or else this is what happens. And we saw this same thing happen in Georgia, in the Georgia Senate races that happened right after the 2020 election, where Trump said, no, Georgia cheated in the election. Don't go out and vote. Conservatives, stay home. Don't vote. And we lost two major Senate seats in Georgia. Why the F would that be good? All that is is his pride. He's a narcissist that people just continue to feed into. And I just, I'll never understand it. I don't get why people are so hype on this. Um, in other news from this week, I had three podcasts that I listened to that I really hated. <laughs> three that I just really didn't like. 
And so I listen. And, and, and what's funny is there are three podcasts that I usually really enjoy. And I'm not going to go into these because they need to be their own episode. And I'm going to try to record that soon. Maybe tomorrow. The first one was a spillover uh, podcast, which Alex Clark, if you don't follow politics on Instagram, literally, what are you doing? I am, I like to think, top five biggest male fans of politics. The Daily Show on YouTube or on Instagram is fantastic. Her longer form podcast episodes are interesting. And I disagree, I feel like, fairly often with them, mainly because she talks a lot about religion. And I just wish that somebody, I wish she would sit down with somebody who was Catholic. I think she's very primed and ready, but nobody will kind of push over the edge there. That one was an interesting one with uh, the crappy Christian. Is this woman's title on social media and her podcast? You can imagine why that one wasn't great. Uh, she gave this really poor like three-minute pitch on what Christianity is that I really didn't like. Um, the other one was uh, Jordan Peterson sitting down with a Muslim. Um, and so... Man, that was also brutal. I just felt like he did a really bad job, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then uh, the third one was, man, what was the third one? Jordan Peterson, The Spillover, and uh, oh, Honestly. So Honestly is the podcast I probably disagree with the most, but this guy was exceptionally bad. It was like, why we must save our boys. And then he proceeded to give all these like progressive, modernist suggestions of how we fix the attack on masculinity it was bad and so i'm gonna do a whole podcast i think like 20 minutes on each and just kind of dissect them and tear that up let's close really quickly with the gospel for this sunday in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen a reading from the gospel according to luke so this is luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14 Jesus addressed this parable to those who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone else. Two people went up to the temple area to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. O oh God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes on my whole income. But the tax collector stood off at a distance and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, O oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the latter went home justified, not the former. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, my friends. I think that's a great reading to think about this weekend. Um, it's awesome to uh, get to talk with you. I think it's awesome to, uh, what I was going to say, sorry, Emily sent me a funny picture of the dog. Um, <laughs> my dog is literally a crackhead right now. She's in heat, if you don't know that. Um, and she is just a nutcase. Uh, so I got I got a pregnant woman and a dog in heat. So pray for me for sure. But this gospel reading, I think, is really important. Always important as we criticize others to evaluate our own selves, to turn and look in the mirror in prayer, to turn in adoration and ask the Lord to show us humbly and truly who we really are, ways we need to grow and change, and ways we can be more like Him. And so I encourage you all to do that. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Continue to fight hard. 
and strive to be your best. God bless you.